God's good, isn't he? He is just good. No matter what's going on around us, uh, my goodness, let's, uh, let's just worship the Lord today. I want to direct your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 today. Um, just a, a message that I got prepared for this morning that, uh, that I just think is a word right for today. It answers, and it's one of the few places in the scriptures where God tells us the why of something. So let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Paul writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted with God or by God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we certainly live in a world that gives us plenty of opportunities to have degrees of affliction. Um, We pray, Father, that through it all, we would give a testimony of faithfulness and that we would trust in you and not panic and not be overcome with worry or stress or fear, knowing that uh, ultimately, Lord, this world isn't our home and we have a kingdom of which we are a part that far supersedes anything that we'll experience here. But in the meantime, Father, this is all we know. This is all that we have yet experienced other than through the Spirit and through the Word uh, and through faith, Lord. But still, we live and touch and exist here in this world, and we have to deal with the pressures and the things of life. And so, Lord, I pray today that this Word would just be as powerful in each of those watching this as it was in me when you spoke it and when your word became alive. Uh, I thank you and I bless you in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Uh, that section of scripture, the second of the, this section of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, let me tell you something interesting about it. Paul writes about the comfort that God uh, brings through us to other people that are afflicted because of what we go through. Now, there are so many times When I, and I think we all do, we ask why. Why, Lord? Why did this happen? We sometimes attach another thing to it. Why did you allow this to happen? Why didn't you, Lord, supernaturally inject your power into this world and move that pothole out of my way? Move that difficulty. Move me around. Cause me to turn right when I turn left. Cause my physical body to not grow ill. Cause my company not to... I mean, all kinds of things that we want to know why. Lord, in your great power, why do you not just remove the difficulty from my and those I love and other people's lives? Why do we go through these things? I don't know that we'll ever be free of that question. We want to know why. And it's pretty rare that the Lord tells us why tells us to have faith, tells us to trust in him, tells us to lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. And it requires a degree of faith. And we know that and we trust in that. But every now and then the Lord drops a why. And I think there is a why things happen in this section of scripture. But what I want you to notice before we look into it is I want you to understand the context from which Paul writes this. Because if the guy that writes this has never had any hardship, it's empty to us. If he has lived a charmed life and God has moved all the difficulty out of his life, then this, I don't know, he's, he's writing about stuff that he doesn't have any idea about. If he's writing about being afflicted and he's never been afflicted, I don't want to hear what he's got to say. 
Somebody that's going to teach me how to fight. I want that guy or that girl to have a big old scar across their... I mean, I want them to be... I want them to bear the marks of their experience. If they're going to teach me... I mean, listen, if they're going to teach me how to cook, I mean, I want to know that they have cooked some stuff. If they're going to teach me how to drive, I want them to be a NASCAR expert. I mean, I, I want to hear from people that know what they're talking about. And I think we all do. So if Paul has lived a charmed life, he's not qualified. But listen... We know, or maybe you don't know, if you don't know, let me tell you, Paul has certainly not lived a charmed, carefree life. In fact, by the time he writes this, Paul has come through such a time of intense persecution that he's been deeply challenged emotionally, he's been threatened physically, he's been brought to the brink of despair. He believes that his death is imminent. And all of that, now watch this. All of those hardships upon Paul, his emotional distress, his physical, he's been threatened multiple times. Eventually, and if you don't know the story of Paul's life, eventually he will be stoned and left for dead. He will be hit with rocks so much that they think he's dead, but he's not. He's been, he'll be shipwrecked. He'll be, he'll be, uh, I mean, goodness, when you hear the list, he, he will have received stripes three different times. Uh, just short of 40 lashes. He's, he's been threatened. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's been, I mean, goodness, he has endured threats on his life and, and, and eventually to where people are trying to kill him. There's a group committed to kill him. Whoo, sounds good. And all, now get this, and all of that, not because he's been in error or because he's been sinful, all of that is directed at him, he has experienced all of that because he is closely following God's call on his life. Now that seems backwards to me. Wait a minute, Lord, if I, if I follow you closely, isn't it supposed to be easier? That's a lie. That's something that, that, that the, I think the enemy wants us to believe so that when things get hard, we say, wait a minute, I thought I was promised ease. No, here is not just somebody. Here is the apostle to the Gentiles. Here's the man who is used of the Holy Spirit to pen two-thirds of the New Testament. If there has ever been a guy, I mean, this is the same guy that is lifted up to heaven and he writes about having been lifted up to the third, up to heaven, heaven, and saw it. And so torn is he that he doesn't know if it'd be better to live or to die. He wants to go be back in that place. This is that guy. And he experiences all of that difficulty he can write to us about the why. Amen? I wished it weren't true, but that is true. And even in all of that, and he wrote many, several of his epistles while imprisoned. And his only crime is preaching the gospel. And even with all of that, I might be tempted to say, okay, Lord, I mean, listen, other people have an easier life. It's my turn. But even with all of that, Paul begins praising God. He begins, and this is a greeting, but he begins, listen to how he begins. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He begins in praise. He begins praising God. I want you to notice something, first of all, and I think you have to get it firmly in your mind or you're going to end up sort of throwing God out with the bathwater, baby with the bathwater. 
I want you to understand something right off the bat, first of all. God is not the source of your discomfort, and yet it happens. Let me say it again. God is not the source of your discomfort. I don't want you to get that. We live in a fallen world. It is the nature of our life on this planet. Sin entered the world through Adam. Sickness entered the world. Hardship comes. We are not in the presence of God the way we will one day be, and hardship comes in this life. It's just going to happen. God's not the source. And yet in this section of Scripture, Paul calls him three things. He calls him Father. He calls him the Father of mercies. And he calls him the God of all comfort. And with all that Paul has gone through, how can he still see God as that? Well, let me give you some things, and let's look at each of these. First of all, he calls him Father. God is a Father. Psalm chapter 103, verse 13 says this. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Compassion to his children. In the scriptures, God is referred to several things that have to do with father. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 10, and in Matthew chapter 23, verse 9, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, He is called one father. There's this position that he holds. He is our father. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, he's called Abba, father. Daddy, father. Intimate father. Father who's close. Father who dotes on his children. Father who's engaged. Father who loves. Father who's hugging. Father who draws you close to him. He's not just father like some some authoritative figure. He's that dad that wants you on his knee. He wants you close to him. He wants to spend time. He wants to blow on your boo-boo and put the band-aid on. He wants to pray over you at night. He wants to be close. He wants to say your prayers. He wants to be engaged in your life. He's Abba, Father. He is a father. Mm. let that sink in he's not just your father even though he is your father the scripture says that he is the father of mercies he's the father of mercies now we sometimes define mercy in sort of a weird way we think of mercy in that some that like you're in trouble. Remember when you used to play the game where you would interlace your finger, interlace your fingers, and you'd, you'd bend the other person's fingers back, and you'd try to get them, and finally, and we called the game mercy. Hey, you want to play mercy? And you never wanted to play with somebody with those great big meaty hands. You wanted to get that little weakling, and get them to say, oh, mercy, mercy. We think of that as being what mercy is. Somebody that's hurting you, and then you cry out, and then they stop. But that's not the way mercy is defined in the scriptures. That's the way that we think of it, but that's not. So when he's the God of mercy, it's not that he's bringing your hardship and you'll go mercy. And he goes, okay, I'll take mercy and I'll lift it off of you. No, he's not the source of our discomfort. We live in a fallen world. You got to get that semen in your mind. God's not the one hurting you. This life, this fallen life separated from God. We are not where we were supposed to be. Why don't you say that right now? I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I wasn't created to live here. You weren't. You were created to live and exist in the presence of your Father who loves you. But this isn't that place. This isn't his kingdom. This isn't his 
plan for our lives. He, he sent his son to redeem us so that we might be able to get back to his plan. But we're not there yet. And at times there's going to be some affliction in this world. But he is the father of mercies. So what is biblical mercy? If it's not that game that they played where, oh, mercy, mercy. Oh, have mercy. You know, some bad guy's got the gun and, and some, some poor innocent victim says, oh, please have mercy on me. I've got kids. I've got a wife. And then the bad guy says, okay, I'll let you live. That's, that's not who your father is. Biblical mercy, it's the Greek word otirmos, and it means concern for the troubles of another person. Concern for the trouble that they're going through. He is the father who is concerned about what you're enduring. That's mercy. The ability to, to direct your heart and your compassion towards somebody who is enduring hardship. That's mercy. And he's the father of that. He is a father who loves and who's concerned about what's going on in your life. In that way, he's the father of mercy. This section of scripture goes on and says that he's the God of all comforts. Interesting here, some of you would know the Greek word parakletos. Sounds like parakeet. <laughs> parakletos. It's the word that is described or it's defined, or excuse me, it's translated in the New Testament in, in, in John when Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come to you. The parakletos, the Holy Spirit, won't come to you. That's the same word here. He is the God of all parakletos. It's actually a, a different conjugation of it, but it's that word, that root word, parakletos. He's the God of all comfort. We know when we use that word in the New Testament, you've probably heard somebody teach on it, that we use that word as one who comes along beside you, a comforter, one who walks next to you. And that's exactly what this is saying. He is the father of mercies. He's concerned about you. And what does he do? He comes next to you. And you say, well, since he's there, doesn't that make the difficulty go away? No. Let me refer you back to something that I said on Sunday from the 23rd Psalm when it says, and he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why? Why doesn't he just put a table somewhere where there aren't any enemies and translate me there? Why doesn't he just move me out of it? Because that's not where we're at yet. Can the Lord move all your enemies? Yes, he can. But what's, the, what's, what's Paul writing about? Is he writing about that the Lord comes in and removes all of the affliction? No. He comes as the father of mercies. First of all, he's concerned about it. And as the God of comfort, he comes down beside you in the midst of it. And what does that do? What does he bring when he does that? Which is the greater testimony? Let me ask you this. That you and I live in a bubble where nothing touches us? Or that we walk through the affliction, but we do so with a strength and a peace 
and a supernatural joy that only the presence of a father who is concerned about us can bring. Well, and that's where we come to the why. That's where the why comes in. Why does he do it that way? Why not just take us out of it? I don't know how many of you have subscribed to the podcast or if you listen to podcasts, but I've started producing one. And in last week's podcast, I talked about, or it may have been the first one, two weeks ago. You can find it on the church's website or on, uh, or on my, it just, it, it's called in-in-courage. You can find it on the Apple Store if you do that sort of stuff. If you listen to podcasts, if you don't, uh, I said it last time, you can call Joni, she can help you get subscribed. And it'll, you get an email every time we put a new one, and we're putting a new one on every week. It's just 15 minutes, and it's all about trying to encourage people. But in one of those, I talked about the fact that God's not a lawnmower parent. You've heard of the different kind of parents, the helicopter parent who's always buzzing around, hovering over their children, and, and then there are other names. And the, this last one, the one that was newest to me, was created by teachers, and, and there were lawnmower parents, parents that come in and they mow down any difficulty. They don't want their child to ever have any difficulty. They don't want them to struggle against anything. They want to provide everything to make their child's life as easy as it can be. Well, how does that child end up? And what happens someday when there is a difficulty that either mom and dad aren't there to remove or mom and dad don't have the power to remove it? Then that life is devastated. So what does our father do? Why doesn't he remove every difficulty? What's the why? Now listen, whether you like this or not, it's biblical. Paul says that you have... A father of mercies, he's concerned about what goes on in your life. And he is the God of all comfort. He then comes beside you and brings comfort to you. Brings rest, brings peace, brings provision, brings healing, or brings strength to endure. Why? Why does he do that? Well, Paul said, so that, here's the why, so that, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted by God. Why is that necessary? Why couldn't we just be people that show that God will remove all the difficulties? Well, because he doesn't remove all the difficulties. Because we live in a fallen world. I had this thought, and I'd never had this thought before until I was getting this message ready. Do you ever think about why the incarnation of Jesus was necessary? Why Jesus had to come in human form? Why God came in human form? And what do we really gain from that? Yes, Jesus died on the cross and gave us a way back to God, made us righteous. But there's some other things. We begin to understand the heart of the Father by watching Jesus, the way he loved people, the way he, he wasn't impressed with the religious tradition as much as he was the needs of people and how he was so compassionate, how he fed people and healed people and loved on those that others said were unlovable and didn't overlook those that others had discounted. We begin to understand the Father through what we saw in the Son. Now the Holy Spirit lives in you and I today, but did you ever think of why we're here and what we're here to do. Scripture says that we are in this same, written to this same church in Corinthians, 
Paul, the same writer, says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though he were making his appeal to the world through us. That every circumstance you're in is intended by God to be a place where you reveal to those around you that don't know him who he is. How, how are they going to know him except through us? And this section of scripture says and one of the ways he does that is through coming along, being concerned about our suffering, coming along beside us, bringing comfort so that we may then reveal that same heart to others who don't know him or perhaps those that do when they're suffering. It's not implicit in this section of scripture, but we reveal Jesus to the world. Now, let me ask you a very straight up question. As it relates to the pandemic, have you been revealing Jesus? Have you been revealing Jesus or have you only been revealing despair and worry and fear and being overwhelmed by it? Or are you being comforted by your father so that when you come upon other people who are despairing, you can say, hey, let me tell you about one who is concerned about you and who will come along beside you and can help you sleep at night. Let my testimony of what he does in the midst of difficulty reveal to you who he really is and who he is to me so that people might be brought to the Father because people are looking for comfort. But they're not going to find it if you and I are chicken little running around with our heads cut off. Sky is falling. Sky is falling. Even if the sky is falling, don't we serve the one who made it? And isn't he able to secure us and to bring comfort and to bring peace in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of life? Why? So that we might reveal him to others by demonstrating who he is. We bring comfort to others walking through this life. What's the purpose of all of this? So that we can bring comfort to others walking through this life. You see, they don't know the Father of mercy. And they don't know the God of all comfort. But we do. And we are his emissaries. We're his ambassadors. So let's, let's rest in the comfort of the Lord. He will deliver us. I'm reminded over and over, and we all do this. I'm, I'm getting earlier in my process. God showing up in my thoughts is getting earlier. I just wished I will eventually get to the place where he shows up in the front. What do I mean by that? How many times have I looked back on a season that while I'm walking through it, I am just a mess. I'm all over the place. I bet you can look back in your life and see some of those. And eventually, God does some things in me that when I look back on that season years later, maybe months later, that's what I mean when I'm saying it's getting earlier in the process. But I think we've all gone through periods of time and we look back and we go, oh my goodness, it was a very difficult time. I don't want to go through it again, but I sure wouldn't trade what came out of it for not going through it. I don't want to do it again, but what's come out of it is so good that I now see what the Lord did. What did I mean by his, I'm getting earlier? I'm seeing him earlier. What I'd like to do is get to the place where I see him in it instead of having to wait for months or years later. 
I want my faith and I want your faith to grow to the place that when it begins, we go, I see you, Lord. I may not know what you're going to be doing in this, but I trust you because you're in it with me. Why? Because you're the father of mercies and you're the God of all comfort. And I know you're right here and I'm going to trust you to walk me through it. I'm not going to despair. I'm not going to be alarmed. I'm going to trust you to give me the wisdom that I need in the moment that I need it to do the right things and say the right things and be the right things. And I understand, Lord, that I'm living in a world that isn't your kingdom and this world has fallen and I'm going to walk through some difficult times. Here's what I know. You're concerned about me and you're walking right here with me. I want to get earlier. And as my faith grows and as I mature more and more, and you say, Pastor, you're still maturing? Every day, every day, I get a little earlier in the process. You see, someone that has no maturity, they don't ever reach the place where they see God. They go their whole life wondering why that happened. As you mature, you begin to be able to see the handiwork of God, and you begin to see his work. Even in the midst of what the enemy tried to do to kill you, the Lord brought good about it. That's what Genesis, uh, Genesis tells us in the life of Joseph. I think it's Genesis 50, 20 or Genesis 20, 50. I flip those around sometimes. All right, but it's, it's in that moment where Joseph said to his brothers, look, what you meant for evil, the Lord meant for good, and we get to the place where we see that earlier, and the more mature you get, the earlier you'll see him in the process until eventually, hopefully, we'll get to the place where the minute the enemy begins to do something or the minute life brings me something, I go, nah, it is going to be hard, but I'm walking through it with my father. I got his hand in mine. Let it, come on, let the, come on, devil, let it blow. Let the winds white cap and let them begin to come over my boat because I got Jesus in my boat and he is the ruler of all rulers and he's the final authority in my life is secured in him. Why do we suffer? One of the reasons is so that we can demonstrate who God is and we can bring comfort to others when they walk through similar circumstances. I love the why, don't you? I love it when the Lord gives me a why. What about you? Are you in it today? Are you suffering some things? Do you have a question of why it's happening? Here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. For just a few moments, and you can do it right now, right where you are. In a minute we'll be done, but don't you be done. Why don't you, if you're watching this, you're probably in a place, many of you are there either with your spouse or, or you're alone. And so it's a perfect opportunity. Maybe the alone is the problem. Maybe that's the affliction. Then turn it. Oh, devil, you thought by making me alone, you would destroy me, but I'm not alone. He never leaves me or forsakes me. Flip it on him. And when we're done, why don't you continue for 10, 15, 30 minutes, an hour And just spend time with your father, who is the father of mercy. He's concerned about you. He knows, listen, you might be able to pick up the friend and talk to a lifelong friend here on earth and describe to them what you're feeling. And they may comprehend it and they may even understand it. And they may be the one who brings comfort to you. The Lord can use them just like they're supposed to be. But there's not anyone who will fully understand how you feel Except the Father of mercies. He knows. He knows. And He is the God of all comfort. 
And he will come along beside you and lift you up and clear your mind of the fear and give you a sense of his purpose for your life and let you know that no matter what happens, he's going to be with you. And there will come a moment, either in this life or in the next, which doesn't end, when this season will be over. And you'll be okay. And he'll be with you. Father, right now, you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And we go through things so that we can help others go through them. Lord, that may not instantly make the hurt feel better. But that's coming. You bring healing. You bring comfort. You, you take wounds of loss and wounds of sickness and wounds of, 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 of circumstance and you heal them. Sometimes you take some time to do that. But you always do. And we always get better. And one day... We're going to be completely better. We'll be free of this. What a day that will be. We thank you, Lord, for your presence through the difficult seasons of life. We thank you for the things that you do to secure us. And we thank you that you are with us and you bring comfort, that we might know how to comfort others. Bless each one, Lord, those that are walking through seasons of difficulty. We're all living through a fairly substantial season of difficulty. It's different. Lord, we don't have all the information that we wish we had. We're still making decisions based upon halfway information that changes every day. But Lord, you don't change, and you are with us. We may make, we may zig when we should have zagged. Father, we may make a decision and we should have made a different one. But Lord, you're still there, and you still walk with us. We thank you. We ask you to watch over each one watching this. We ask you to bring the comfort that only you can and help us who have walked through similar circumstances to come along beside each other and to bring comfort, not only to those in the body, but also to those outside the body and help us to recognize the opportunities that you give us to share our testimony of your presence and your love through the difficult seasons of life. We bless you and we love you and we thank you for using us in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.